0: good to see everyone, open your Bibles if you will to Jeremiah, we'll start in chapter one here in just a moment, the book of Jeremiah chapter one, I want to begin by uh, just saying a few words and making clear about the message of this message and that is that I am not uh, standing before you. This morning, and telling you that what the world is experiencing right now is the signs of our Lord's coming back. If we know from the book of Revelation, where it has all the imagery of famines and plagues and all those kind of things that, that would take place on the world, in the world, and the the, the the imagery there that depicts the battles that are taking place and and the end of times, let's remember, let's take those things into context and understand that what the book of Revelation is telling us is that these things are taking place in the world up to the point where the Lord returns. When the Lord returns, there's not going to be any battles. There's not going to be any uh, last stands on earth. There's not going to be any um, great conflicts in the Middle East. When the Lord returns, the battle's already won. And he won. So the things that we're seeing happening in the world are things that have been set in motion many, many, many years ago, and will continue until that day comes. So I don't want you to think that what I'm going to present this morning is that I, I, I am seizing upon the opportunity to, to tell us that we better get ready because we're in the last days. Well, we've been in the last days for 2,000 plus years, so let's not, underst- let's not misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I will say and what Bible teaches, the Bible teaches us is that we need to be ready because we don't know when the Lord's going to return. There's not going to be any signs of his return. So m- he might return in our lifetime or he may not. But the message is still the same to us no matter what is, and that is that we need to heed the warnings. The Bible is replete with God warning his people about impending doom and impending destruction. And it's also replete with many, most, of that message falling on deaf ears. So what we want to do is not make those same mistakes. When we hear the warnings and and see the warnings that are so clear in front of us, we need to heed them and make sure that we are indeed ready when that day comes. So what I've through studying this and trying to to put it together and, and seeing examples of uh, of of times past and, and how God did that and times present and how God is unchanging, I kind of came and settled on some some examples in Jeremiah about how God carried through all of that, the warnings and the, the heeding of the warnings and and not heeding of the warnings, and, and what God does as a result, and bring that into the New Testament, in, into our day, what the, 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 the scriptures tell us about the times that we're living in, and draw some parallels. They're not exactly parallel, but they're, but they're close in, in as far as how God deals with his people, at least his expectations and God's nature. So they're parallel in that, resen- in that sense let's start this way let's start with s- understanding that there are indeed some dire warnings throughout scripture and we're going to use jeremiah like i said to talk about some old testament examples and then we're going to use second thessalonians and a few other places to look at some new testament so if you're there in jeremiah look in chapter two and we're not going to read all of these scriptures but i, I have them up here so that we can have the context in which these things are in But beginning in chapter 2, verse 1, now Jeremiah is is prophesying during the time of Judah alone. Israel has already been taken into captivity. Jeremiah will prophesy beginning while Judah is still around until the end, where Judah is indeed taken into captivity. So that gives you kind of a timeline of understanding when and where Jeremiah is speaking and who he's speaking to. So he's warning the people of Judah that they need to take heed and understand that God is about to bring calamity on them. So in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim this in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals, your following after me in the wilderness, through a land not sown. This is speaking of the the time where the children of, of, of God inherited the promised land, a land that they didn't, they didn't sow. They didn't plant the vineyards. They were given this land. Verse 3, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his harvests, and who ate, and uh, all who ate of it became guilty. Evil came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice is your fathers find in me, that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty. We'll go on to talk about how they follow after idols, they've they forsaken God, and what God says, what, what did I do to cause you to do this? And the answer is nothing, of course. But if you come down to verse 13, which is what Travis read for us a minute ago, this is the, this is the crux of the message that, that, that God is giving to Jeremiah to be, to be passed on. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so there's the parallel, or or the contrast of of what the message is. They've forsaken God, who is the fountain. He's the true God. For what? For cisterns. You know what cisterns? We talked about this last night. Cisterns are, sometimes they would just be carved right out of the rock, and they would gather rainwater, and that's what they would use as their drinking water. Or sometimes they'd have large pots but they were handmade, they were made by man, and that leads us to understand what he's talking about here, essentially, is idolatry. Empty, broken cisterns, these these idols that can hold no water, those are false gods, those are idols. So here you have God, a fountain, pure, true water, and you have a broken cistern that can hold no water. And that's the crux of the message, that that they have forsaken God and have turned to idolatry. Look over in chapter 5 of, of Jeremiah. <coughs> so, in, in giving the message to Jeremiah, he, he says here, verse 1 of chapter 5, "Roam to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and look now, and take note, and seek in her open squares. Listen, if you can find a man, if there is one who does justice, who seeks truth, then I will pardon her. God's telling Jeremiah, go go through the the streets of Jerusalem and and find one faithful person. And if you can, I'll I'll, I'll pardon Jerusalem. Verse 2, and although they say as the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. And then verse 3, O Lord, do not thine eyes look for truth? Thou hast smitten them, but they have not weakened But they did not weaken. Thou hast consumed them, but they refused to take correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. Remember when God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? He says, if you can find ten faithful souls in Sodom and Gomorrah, I'll spare them. I couldn't even find ten. Here, they can't even find one. Jeremiah says, I can't even find one. They refuse to repent. And so the calamity is going to come upon them. Leave your marker there, and let's go over now to 2 Thessalonians. So what does the New Testament tell us in these kinds of terms about heeding or about the dire warnings that are out there? In 2 Thessalonians here, of course, Paul speaking to the brethren in Thessalonica. He says in verse 3, beginning, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, And the love of each of you toward one another grows ever greater. Therefore we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. Now when I read that, that jumped off the page to me about what we're enduring right now. In the midst of your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. I, I'm not going to compare ourselves to the, the, the persecutions that were taking place. We're not, we're not there. Not yet. There might come a time where we're persecuted for before our, before our religion. We're not there yet. But we are suffering. We are being afflicted by the things that are going on. But Paul is commending the Thessalonians and saying, I'm proud of you for the faith that you've shown through it all. Verse 5, This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment, so that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, For which indeed you are suffering. So, if we're suffering, if we're, we talked about last week, suffering for the right reason, suffering as a Christian, that's okay. It's okay to suffer that way. Verse 6 For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well. Now, here's the warning when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. There's the warning for us. Yes, these in Thessalonica are doing well and and are being faithful, but there's the warning still. The warning is to those who are afflicting them. And he says Jesus is going to appear from heaven dealing out retribution. To those who are doing the afflicting. To who? Those who do not obey the, the gospel of our Lord Jesus. There's the warning for us today. The warnings are, are just, as, just as strong. There's a calamity coming. Jesus coming from heaven. And this, with his angels of flaming fire dealing out retribution. There's the warning. That's the calamity that's going to befall this world. So what's our response to that? Well, our response, as it is always, is to listen to God. Let's go back to, to Jeremiah, chapter 7 now. response has always been, or, or, or our responsibility has always been to, to listen to God, listen to what He has to say. He has not left us as orphans. He has not left us without instruction. He's given us the things that we need. Chapter 7, verse 1 of Jeremiah The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all of you Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words saying, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between, uh, between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, or do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Listen to the word of God. Listen to what I have to say to you. If, you, if you're truly sorry, if you truly repent, then you can dwell here. You can dwell in the temple. You can dwell in in the the place of worship to God, in the land that he has given to you. Listen to God. Go back over to 2 Thessalonians. (coughs) 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 now. Remember, listen to God. Chapter 2, verse 1, Now we request, we, we request you, brethren, with regard to our coming and our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter uh, at, that has, as it's come from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. See, even, even in the first century, even the early days of the church, there were those saying that the day of the Lord's already come. Paul saying no. Goes on verse three. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object or worship, so that he takes the seat of the temple of God, uh, displaying himself as being God. And we don't. It's outside of our scope of this lesson to talk about what all Paul's talking about here, but he's he's talking about what Revelation chapter twenty talks about about the times where Satan is going to be bound and then he's going to be freed but that's not happened he says that they're, they're telling you falsely these things that, that are being said when you come down to verse uh, 13 it says but we should always give thanks to god for you brethren b- beloved by the lord because god has chosen you from the beginning of for salvation through sanctifi- sanctification by the spirit and faith and the truth and it was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, verse 15. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Remember the message back there at Jeremiah? Listen to what God has said. Don't do this. Repent, turn, and you can dwell in this land forever. Paul's telling the Thessalonians, Brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught either by by what we have told you or by the letters that we are, are writing to you. Listen to God. He has the answers. What a gracious God we have, that he always provides deliverance for those who are faithful to him. Let's go back now to Jeremiah chapter 30. God will always provide a way of escape. There's always a chance that the remnant will remain. There's always a chance that those who are faithful to him will be considered his children and will inherit the kingdom. In chapter 30, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, write all the words which I have spoken to you in a book. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah, the Lord says, I will also bring them back to the land that, they, that I gave them to their forefathers, and they shall possess it. So, even amongst the, the calamity that was going to be brought by the Babylonians that would come in, and the Medes and Persians that would come in after them, and, 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 and hold Judah captive, God says, There's going to be a time where you'll return. There's going to be a time where you're going to come back, you're going to possess the land again. There's always the deliverance that God provides. Look over in chapter 31, beginning of verse 1. It says, At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord. The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when it, was went, to, uh, when it went to find its rest. The Lord appeared to him from, after, uh, him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have drawn you with loving-kindness. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. Again, you shall take up your tambourines and go forth to dances and merrymaking. Again, you shall plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The planters shall plant, and you shall enjoy them. For there shall be a day when watchmen on the hills of Ephraim shall call out, Arise, and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. There's a message of hope in these dire warnings that, that are being spelled out here as well. That there's always there's always hope. There's always a chance to return to the Lord if you'll take that chance. And I love the fact that amidst this is some prophecy that is further reaching. So think about what we just what we said about Jeremiah. He's prophesying in the time of the end of Judah, when Judah's gonna be taken captive. He's telling them about the things that are going to take place shortly. But there's also the further reaching prophecies that are in this in verse 31 of jeremiah 31 it says behold days are coming declares the lord when i will make a new covenant with the house of israel and with the house of judah not like the covenant which i made with them and their fathers in the day i took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of egypt my covenant which they broke although i was a husband to them declares the lord But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again, each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest to them, declares the Lord. Now listen to this, for I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. go directly over to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. The Hebrew writer, of course, we know, spells out in great detail how the law of Christ is better than the law of Moses. And the main reason is because it is built on the blood of Jesus Christ himself. That's its foundation. So in writing this, Hebrew writer in verse 7 of chapter 8 He says, For if if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to salt for a second. For in finding fault with them, he says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That sound familiar? That's what we just read there in Isaiah 31. Jeremiah 31. Exactly, almost word for word here, exactly what the prophet Jeremiah, the only difference is, is just, just from a translation standpoint, word for word what the prophet Jeremiah spoke, or God through the prophet Jeremiah spoke, about the times when God's going to make a new covenant with his people. And that's the law of Christ. All the way down to verse 12 of chapter 8 in Hebrews, For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. That's the promise of Christ, and the promise fulfilled in him. Go over now back to our text in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, now chapter 3. Verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that we may be delivered from the perverse and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful, And he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. And may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. There's our deliverance. We have the same deliverance. We have that of being faithful to God. And he is faithful to us. And he'll deliver us. So, when we see the nature of God, it hasn't changed. God warns us. God tells us to listen to Him. And when we do, there's deliverance. What a wonderful message that is. I'll leave you with this this morning from Jeremiah chapter 6. Thus says the Lord Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it then you will find rest for your souls i love the fact that jeremiah the lord speaking through jeremiah we think that's a long time ago and it was i don't have the date right off the top of my head you look to i know 586 is when the temple was destroyed in jerusalem so that gives you about this timeline 2500 years ago And at that point, God is saying to walk in the old paths. What does that tell us about the nature of God? His nature hasn't changed since the beginning. He wants people to hear him, to heed him, and be delivered by him. That will never change. And so we find ourselves in difficult times in the world. The same formula applies. Ask for those old paths. And and take joy in them. Take joy in knowing that we serve a God that is unchanging and will deliver us if we are faithful to him. We offer the invitation, as we always do, at the end of our time together. If you need the prayers of the congregation, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.